Welcome to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Hello, my name is Justin Prince. Along with me is Taylor Burris, along with the producer Wayne Owens, as we get into what has been another intense week of iRacing action across the entire platform. We start things off with the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, as it finished off what was a very historic 2021 edition of its series. $100,000 was on the line for the champion on top of the prize pool for second through fourth in the title as well as the team championship. And in the end, it came down to four drivers, Keegan Leahy, Bobby Zelensky, Mitchell DeYoung, and Logan Clampett to see who would come away for the title in the championship four. In the end, after an intense fight, a month's strategy, and a green flag to checker flag event at Texas Motor Speedway, it was 23-11 Racing's Keegan Leahy who came away with his first championship and the first champion outside of the United States in terms of bases of location since 2010 when Richard Tower won the inaugural championship. We'd like to welcome Keegan Leahy along with his spotter for the 2021 campaign, Matt Bontempe, to the iRacers download. First things first, Keegan, congratulations on winning the first championship for a Canadian in series history. How does that make you feel knowing that gives you history after being so close a couple of years ago and as well putting yourself in that championship situation several times over with the respect across your from competitors now winning the title? Yeah, thanks so much for the intro there, Justin, and I'm glad Matt could join me as well. Um Definitely get to talk to him in a minute too. But uh, as for me, yeah, it's it was such a amazing week uh, this week so far, and especially that night when I won on Tuesday. Um, as you said, the last few years I've came so close. I got in the playoffs every year that I've competed so far, but haven't really sealed the deal. Um, at this top level, it really does come down to just circumstances and honestly luck at the at certain points. Um, I was happy that. The race on Tuesday actually didn't really have any crazy circumstances. It was caution-free race, green flag to the end, and I was able to show off my speed and uh, hold off Logan Clampett's charge at the end of the race, which was pretty awesome. But um, yeah, that and also being the first Canadian, first international champion, it's pretty cool, especially in a series that's so dominated and over, not over-represented, but very well-represented by uh, American drivers, since it's an American sport. Absolutely, and it was an incredible championship race, to say the very least. While there are many unexpected moments, of course, with how things could play out, of course, it started off with Logan Clampett qualifying in the low 30s and having to charge his way to the field, but let's talk about the first half because it was dominated by you and your fellow 2311 racing teammate, along with your Glenda Simsport Technical Alliance mate, Mitchell DeYoung. Talk us through that first half where you guys tried to essentially dictate the pace. Yeah, pretty much. It really didn't matter at that point whether me or Mitchell was leading the race because um, track position is so important, and all I would have to do is just short pit him one lap, and I would be the leader. Um, or, you know, 
what it actually came down to by come the middle of the race, jumping ahead a little bit here, but I was able to pass him later. Um, but yeah, in the first part of the race there, I was just working with him because I wanted to have minimum time loss. I wanted to avoid having to battle anyone from third on back and also keeping in mind Logan Clampett, who honestly I thought was already a write-off at that point. I didn't think he was going to be able to drive up through the field like he did. Um, but he was in the back of my mind as well, just trying not to have to battle Mitchell at the front uh, to allow you know people behind me, especially Logan and also Bobby, to catch up and join in on that battle for the championship spot. I remember talking with a few different people before the race, especially when it comes to production side, and one of the constants which happened for the Countdown Green interviews was, since three of the four of you were Quandison Sport affiliated, the wild card that came up in all your interviews was Logan Clampett. What was kind of the reaction like seeing Logan Clampett charge his way through the pack like he did to be able to get himself nearly up towards you in the final 15-20 laps before his tire wear came in? <laughs> I want to hear what Matt has to say about this too, but um, uh, I was asking him through the race, hey, where's Logan? Where's Logan? Where's Logan? <laughs> and every time he told me a lower number, he's in 18th, he's in 13th, he's in 9th. <laughs> and so I'm getting a little worried at that point because... I didn't feel like I had the car that could do that. So I was, you know, impressed, I guess, with his performance, but a better word would be scared. Um, he was coming. So, uh, yeah, he, he was the wild card as well because um, me, Mitchell, and Bobby all practiced together and prepared the setup together. We knew exactly how fast each of us were. Um, we had no idea how good Logan was going to be, and I definitely didn't expect that sort of pace out of him. What was that reaction like from you, Matt, as the race went on and you realized this could come down between Keegan and potentially Logan in the end? So, at least from my perspective, I knew from the beginning of the race it was important for Keegan to have me just kind of keep it on everything, right? And that included Clampett, Logan, and, and where he was and how he was doing. And I think, I want to say it was around maybe like lap 20 or so. Uh, seeing Logan, I think he was up to about 25th or 20th or something at that point. It was sometime around there that I looked at his lap times and I could see whether he went a little slower or not because he was back in traffic. He was hitting times, I think there were nines, one up front, Keegan was hitting a two and other people were hitting threes and stuff. And I knew he was significantly fast on the long run and very clearly faster than us. So at least from my perspective, I knew pretty early on, even if it went green, that Logan was going to get there, to be to be quite honest with you. I, I was very sure of that, especially if it went green, because that would mean long runs. And I felt like that was clearly their strength uh, based on when he was showing that speed. However, my job is obviously to keep Keegan calm in the zone and to just make him aware of the information he needs to know when he needs to know it. So I kind of made that point uh, mid-race. We had a little discussion about how, hey, Clampett's coming. He's running some good times. Uh, I just made him aware of it so he knew that it might not just be the Coanda show, basically. But uh, I wasn't surprised he got up there, uh, to be honest with you. I was just more impressed with the fact that Keegan was able to perfectly manage that last run to where he... When we got out front, we knew Logan was on a lap or two fresher tires. Keegan just drove it perfectly to have good tires when he got there and managed the gap. You ended up holding on to come away with the checkered flag, a huge victory at Texas Motor Speedway for you in the end. What was the reaction like? I will ask you, Keegan, here from 2311 Racing as well as Denny Hamlin, because that's been noticed a lot on social media, especially in the past couple of days, that reaction. Yeah, well, the reaction at the end was pretty amazing for me personally, and then the social media reaction afterwards was uh, 
honestly overwhelming. Um, I got so many messages from so many different people, people um, I've never known, people that I've known of and I didn't think they knew me, and also people from my past that uh, I've known since I was a kid or something, and uh, they're reaching out to me and saying congratulations. And yeah, so that support was amazing. And then uh, Denny made some tweets, and he also texted me recently um, congratulating me. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to announce this or not, but here, I'll give you a little tidbit that um, it looks like I'm going to get to check out the Toyota simulator in real life, uh, the, the real life simulator, and uh, do some laps in the Toyota sim and see how I do uh, in the in that huh. research level simulator where they uh, try to make their real life cars fast. So that's really exciting to me. I've been eyeing that for a long time. I didn't think it would be possible, but um, I guess that's uh, Denny's reward to me. I'm really looking forward to that. I hope it can uh, actually happen. An absolute potential huge opportunity coming to play, especially with the increase of drivers and presence simulators, of course, with some of the error tidbits and teasers being sent amongst the NASCAR community. But on that mark as well, Matt, What's kind of your feelings like because you've been in the series off and on as a spotter more so for about a decade or so. Remember one of the first interactions we had was, aren't you that guy from the eNASCAR series? He's, I think it was a message that was after a race between us, in fact. It was 2013-14. You've been around yeah. the series for plenty of years. Yeah, so for me personally... Uh... I remember that interaction distinctly because it was actually more than anything. I think it was on the iRacing members forum in a yeah. thread on there. And I remember I was laughing because as a, I think you meant it, or it seemed like you meant it as a driver. And I was laughing because I've never been a driver in the series. I've never been close to the level of talent that Keegan has. And all of those guys in that series have Conti, Clampett, Zelensky, Adeong, all of those. I've never been close to that, but where I found my niche what I've been good at for a long time was for a long time the setup work. I was more of a crew chief role with uh, a guy named Andrew Fash the third for a number of years. Uh, then I uh, did some of the crew chief spotting for Real Fala through the end of 2018 when he took that title. Uh, most of 2019 worked with him for the first half of that. I, I'd done a lot of stuff, and recently the last uh, year or so, I kind of took a break from it. I went and just did more uh, real life stuff. Uh, lost over a hundred pounds in that time frame. Uh, got an awesome job, bought my own apartment or condo, and I kind of got my life together, I guess. I'm 25, and it was fun doing the sim racing stuff for me, but it certainly was not going to have that avenue to be a career for me like it does for someone with Keegan's immense talent level, both on the intellectual uh, setup side as well as the driving side. Uh, but I think the coolest thing about winning that title with Keegan here for me was we've been friends, very good friends, since we worked together initially in 2015 when he uh, was a low, not a low I rating guy, but nowhere near the stature and status he is today. And we worked together, we built some teams together, and we worked together. I think we were teammates, what, for Keegan, like three years there or something? Yeah, I've been quite a while. Uh... What do we call ourselves at the start? <laughs> BBH and then. I uh, think we're at BBH Motorsports, which was, I think, the initials uh, Von Tempe, Bartlett, Hanner, because of some people that I haven't talked I actually talked to Victor recently, but I haven't talked to the other guy in a long time. And just, it was funny. We had so many different names. You want to keep going, Keegan? Yeah, and then a couple of years with LDR once we started working with some other, um, what was the Peak Series at the time, but Coca Cola mm -hmm. Series competitors. So it was David Rattler, Patrick Crabtree. Um, 
I think that was uh, the group then. Fayash as well as Novak actually in 2017. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we worked together for years. Then Keegan kind of went his own way at that point. We were still friends, and we actually became even better friends after that. It's funny because other teams I was too after that time. After my time at LDR was over. Actually, one of the most recent teams I was at before uh, Keegan called me up and asked me to come spot him for this year was an awesome team. I won't name them, but they uh, they had a bit of a trust concern because they knew how good friends I was with Keegan. And little did they know, our Facebook and text were just full of pictures of our cats and memes and stuff. They had nothing to do with iRacing, but uh, it was funny because me and Keegan kind of came up together and meant a lot to me when we were talking at the end of last year and he wanted me to come, uh, come work with him and help him out. So... Uh, it's been great for me because I've been able to show up, help probably my best friend, uh, and help him get a title uh, in the little way I was able, small way I was able to help contribute to it. So it honestly feels better than anything I've personally done or accomplished on iRacing because it's helping one of my best friends. So, yeah. That's absolutely incredible, the process and progress that you've made, especially in the past couple of years, that led your ranking up to working with Keegan Leahy for the 2021 campaign. That's absolutely incredible to say the very least. And you mentioned some of the potential possibilities, Keegan, of what could be coming, but have to ask as well, I know this is going to be a bit more of a common question. What do you plan to do with the prize money since it's the one of the largest totals? It's compared, of course, to where it was 40 grand a few years ago when you had the closest opportunity then, now up to 100K plus the involvement with the team championship. That's a great question. And actually, well, you and I were chatting a little bit before the podcast here, and I kind of brought up that um, much like how Matt here, my spotter, is a salesman now, um, whenever you get a big score, you can't blow it all at once, especially when it's your full-time career. And, you know, I, I'm not expecting to back this up with another championship next year. It could happen, but I'm not planning for it. Um, so, you know, this this money isn't uh, just something I can blow in, a, in the next few weeks. It's something that uh, I'm trying to use to contribute towards supporting myself for the next few years and be able to continue doing some racing full-time. So, you know, this is my, my wage. This is what I'm living off of. And, uh, you know, um, besides that, though, I'm sure I'll treat myself to a few, uh, few things. Uh, I plan to do some traveling, COVID-permitting, um, at least the Phoenix trip coming up. So I got invited to uh, to go to the championship weekend in Phoenix in a few weeks. But um, also hoping to get to visit the rest of my working organization, Quanta Simsport in Germany. Um, that's a big thing I want to do. And also some of the money's going to Matt and I'm going to invite him up to uh, to Halifax to hang out with me for a week or so. So I'll be paying his way for that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Besides that, it's just going to bills and house payments and student loans and what have you. <laughs> pretty boring. Coming up, more with Keegan Leahy and Matt Bontempi, this year's championship crew for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series in the Championship 4. More coming up on the iRacers Download, the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burr is here along with Justin Prince, Wayne Owens, and back with our champion Keegan Leahy from 2311 Racing, along with his spotter, Matt Bontempi. And gentlemen, I gotta say, watching you guys race throughout the season has been incredible. 
But now we already talked a little bit about the off season of what you have planned for both of you. But let's go a little bit into next season. It's a new car, a lot of unknowns going into the 2022 season. Your thoughts on how this could be a possible game changer, especially with a bunch of new up-and-coming talent coming into the Coke Series next season? Yeah, I'll start at the end there because talent just keeps getting better and better. Um, With the structure they have, the bottom 20 and the Coke Series fall out every year. They have a chance of requalifying, but honestly, it's tough with the level of competition that comes up through the Contender Series every year. So, you know, every year there's more people trying to get in, and there's always that subset of people who are extremely talented. Uh, we saw it this year with some rookies that were very strong. I think uh, Stephen Wilson's one. Graham Boland's a pretty new driver as well, and he's extremely strong. And... Uh, you know, even me, I'm not really that much of a series veteran, to be honest. There's uh, a lot. Most of the front runners and the and the playoff contenders tend to be uh, series veterans from a long time ago. Like you look at Ray Alfala, um, Nick Ottinger, Michael Conti, all these guys. Even Bobby Zelensky's got an extra season under his belt compared to me. Um, and I have to say, Mitchell DeYoung, my 2311 teammate, is an extreme outlier as a rookie championship contender. But I'm looking at this contender series and seeing a lot of talent coming up, and it's going to be very difficult. Now, as for the car and any other changes, yeah, that's really a big unknown for me. From what I've seen, at least on iRacing, the car is easier to drive, I would say, but the driving and the racing is different. So, you know, the car might be a little easier to drive on track just by yourself, but... Once you get in the pack and you get the air turbulence and have to race around cars in such close proximity, it gets exponentially more difficult. And I really don't know what to expect because honestly, I haven't done any racing with the next-gen car yet. Now, I've been seeing some lap times and numbers out of the real-life tests and kind of seems like uh, iRacing might have to do some adjustments on it um, to get it closer to the real-life you know, speed, downforce levels, all that stuff. So uh, I'm not going to presume that the car's any specific way to drive because it very well could change before next year. Um, but, you know, as for me, I'm just going to do what I always do, go out and do my best in a new season. And I kind of hit the reset button. I don't really expect to compete in the playoffs. Honestly, my main goal is just to stay in the top 20 and stay in the series once again. But uh, I'm kind of looking at avoiding that champion slump that's been happening you see it with ray and nick ottinger this year even and uh zach novak previously and guys win the championship and the next year really is nothing special so uh i'd like to continue this good momentum for once certainly do agree with you on that matter because like you pointed out nick ottinger was last season's defending champion coming into the new season didn't even make the playoffs collected one victory of course at talladega but other than that no outshining moments so i'm pretty sure with this momentum you have to, like you said, set yourself in a different mindset, knowing that you're about to go into the new season with a new car, possibility of some new track combinations as well. So it's very important to do that. And, you know, with your spotter, Matt, I want to get your thoughts. We've seen, of course, how the sim racing official races and racing with the next gen car are a lot more super speed-esque style of racing, especially on the mile and a halfs. How did that kind of change the game for you as a spotter going into these events for tracks that you're not normally used to doing super speedway style racing with the next gen car? 
Well, I think more than anything, what it might change is I just have to be more aware of the things that are going on behind Keegan in terms of people trying to send it in three wide on him, that sort of thing. Because for the most part, Keegan and all drivers, they can be very aware of what's going on around them. It's when you get to three and four wide and when that changes specifically behind them, when they're being taken three and four rather than taking three and four. Because you know as well as I do, Keegan gets a big run out of the corner and he goes to the bottom three wide. He knows he's three wide. But when someone's throwing it in on him, that kind of thing it just makes me have to maybe give that information uh a little differently or a little more often i guess is the best way to put it but i did want to mention as far as the car and i'll have to drive it differently i'm not sure on those specifics obviously but i will say that one of the things that makes keegan great at all of this is the fact that he's always been able to adapt and be very methodical when a new build happened on iRacing where there were updates to the cars, the tire model. If how you drive it has to change, if how you have to set it up has to change, I think the best guy in the series to tackle any of that is Keegan simply because uh, his process, the way he works through things is so uh, professional and just so top tier at the end of the day. So I don't think, I think if anything, that's an advantage for him. Uh, even if he, he's too humble or modest to admit it himself, I think that's actually a good thing for him that's going to give him the best chance of anyone recently to avoid that champion slump. But as far as the first question, yeah, I'll just have to be a little on my toes more frequently. But, I mean, that's not a big deal. I, I'm excited for that because, quite frankly, when he's out there leading, I mean, it's pretty boring. So <laughs> Certainly you do, but it also makes your job a lot easier when he's leading up towards the front of the field. Oh, sure, but, I mean... I'd rather have it be fun and get the same result than uh, than easy any day. Not that it's not fun to win, but no, you get what I'm saying. It's yeah, uh, yeah. it's one of those things that I don't mind being on my toes more. And uh, he always keeps it interesting and finds a way to get up front anyway. Well, Keegan, I want to come back to you now. Twenty three eleven racing, both the virtual team as well as the real world team. A very interesting year with Denny Hamlin, Bubba Wallace, yourself, Mitchell DeYoung. I mean, you win the championship in iRacing. You win the team championship in iRacing. Danny Hamlin has collected multiple wins. He's still in the chance for a championship. You have Bubba Wallace winning at Talladega. Overall, how do you feel the camaraderie with the entire team? You touched on it briefly about Denny texting you about the win that cha- and championship that you collected this season for him. How does that kind of boost the morale of yourself, teammates, as well as Matt? Yeah, for sure. Um, I... I love feeling the camaraderie and feeling a part of the team, really, with 2311. Um, it's not just the drivers. Like I'm in touch with the social media coordinator and the, uh, Steve Lalotta, the president. And uh, these guys are all like making sure that I'm happy and making sure that uh, I'm included in, in any discussion that's necessary. You know, I really feel like I'm a part of the team, which is awesome. I'm, I'm a driver. I'm a 2311 driver. And, uh, yeah, with, uh, Mitchell coming up through the, through the ranks and I kind of want to talk about him a little bit too, because, um, he was kind of my suggestion for, as a teammate, cause I wanted someone to work with, but you know, it's, it's tough to put your neck out there and say, Hey, this is the driver you want, Denny. This is, this guy's going to make it big, especially when it's a rookie that hasn't done a single Coke series race before. Um, but obviously he's a very accomplished sim racer and has proven himself time and time again. Um, but yeah, and, and Matt as well. Uh, he's made this feel like a very well-oiled machine, and it makes me feel like uh, we're we're accomplishing we're, we're accomplishing th- these things on merit, not just from uh, from luck or just you know my own preparation. It's a it's a team effort, and uh, yeah, Matt makes that makes that happen. 
And I appreciate that. And I feel like more than anything, what me and Keegan have been able to do together is just execute really flawlessly by being on the same page. And also like when it comes to strategy stuff, talking it over, me giving my opinion, having kind of the whole picture, him giving his take being actually driving in the seat. And it's so easy for both of us just because we've known each other for so long to just talk through those discussions and just be that well-oiled machine like Keegan said. And I love that. And I got to say, as far as 2311, awesome team i mean i just got back from interviews with espn the athletic uh, every they all want to talk to me not keep now but um seriously uh it's uh it's been really a well-oiled machine for us well if you think about it matt and as well as with keegan you know this is something that you know opens a new perspective when it comes to sims racing and esports in general i mean the average casual fan may be like wait these guys have actual real life people spotting for them being a crew chief for them and it just opens the door to let these people know who are getting into the world of eNASCAR or sim racing that we treat this as the real deal. And you showcase that each and every week when we do these competitions with the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series because it just shows the real effort that professional teams, professional drivers show and put interest in promoting this. And with you guys showing the real behind the scenes of how much effort you do put into it, it kind of opened some eyes. Yeah, and I'd never want to scare anyone away either by making this seem too serious because really it is as serious as serious as you want it to be. Um, sure, on Tuesday evenings during the, during the season, um, I'm in full serious mode and just trying to extract every last little bit of pace and performance out of my car and doing everything we possibly can with strategy. But, you know, on some weekday night, I might just hop into some random C-fixed race uh, and join up with some random people and, and have a little fun race together. You know, it's uh, it's whatever you want it to be. If you like racing, iRacing is your place to go. But beyond that, uh, what you want to make of it is up to you. I think that's so true because, like, for me, when I got into iRacing initially, I think it was, like, May of 2010, I was, like, 14 years old, and I think I'd seen an ad with Dale Jr. in it or something way back then, and for me, it started off as just something that I did so much for fun. It was you could sign on, and you could have the Logitech wheel and pedals and go out there, and you could drive these tracks that... I'd seen my favorite driver, Matt Kenseth, and all the legends of NASCAR, Dale Jr., Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon. You could drive on those tracks that they were driving on the Sunday before, and I thought that was the coolest thing, and as such a diehard fan of the sport, for me, that was that was the main go-to. And then as I got older and my interest got more serious in it, you can take it to that more serious side, uh, like Keegan was saying, but iRacing is what you want it to be. If you love racing, it is an awesome place to be and simply the best place for organized online sim racing. So you mentioned wanting to discuss Mitchell DeYoung, and of course... It was the interesting story that was a talking point coming into the season and that was talked about when he made the championship four of with the 2020 situation, with the world being in the midst of 2020, as cliche as the 2020 part of that sounds. Of course, DeYoung got the chance to spot for you and get that love for NASCAR and compete in RTB competition. What has that been like now with him now completing that full season and being essentially your eNASCAR teammate as well as technical alliance mate, seeing that quick progression from being someone who, of course, was strong on the road course side and has X Games experience in the real world to becoming 
essentially one of the top qualifiers in the history of the series with some of the best qualifying performances since Ralph Alva's two-car. Well, yeah, you touched on it there because Mitchell is someone that I didn't really initially expect to want to be a NASCAR driver because he's so focused on road racing and rallycross and all that stuff. Um, but I knew he was fast. He was kind of like once in a while when we would need someone to help us do draft testing back in 2020, um, you know, me, Bobby and Chris Shearburn, we wanted a few other cars and Mitchell would jump in and uh, be our guinea pig. And, you know, after a few laps, all of a sudden, he's just as fast as us. I'm like, uh, why don't you do this? Why don't you race uh, NASCAR? You're obviously very capable of it. And he's like, oh, uh, I don't have time, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I kind of worked on him a little bit. And I think he came to the same conclusion that he should probably go for the pro qualifier. And um, not to say it was easy for him. He put in so much time uh, for those pro qualifiers to to get into the series, like he was pretty much a one man show. Sure, I helped him a little bit and gave him tips and stuff, but he put all the time in and practice and setup building and all that stuff. Um, so very impressive to see him uh, make that make that learning curve and and make that achievement to get in the Coke series. And yeah, the qualifying, honestly, I'm a little bit upset about that because I've always been known as the qualifier the last few years. And um, I'm trying to uh, just personally, my goal isn't to to have a bunch of wins or have a bunch of championships. I just want to have a bunch of poles. <laughs> I want to be the fastest guy on one lap. And I'm, I'm fourth overall, I think, on that chart right now. Uh, I'd be almost first if Mitchell didn't take all of my poles this year. Uh, it seems like we got one, two about eight times this year and and Mitchell keeps beating me I'm always the guy in second to start the race um but yeah he's a super fast driver extremely consistent he lays that one lap down when he needs to and then when we do 167 in a row he's tough to beat um I got the little edge on him in the championship race uh, earlier this week and luckily that was the difference the that tiny tiny edge over the course of the whole race but you know I only beat him by a second after 167 laps but yeah um looking forward to continue with mitchell and i'm sure he'll be a threat next year as well next year's definitely going to be interesting especially with the next gen car on tap but we'd like to thank both of you for taking the time to speak with us matt Bontempi and keegan Leahy, and congratulations as a group for winning the 2021 championship together absolutely incredible to see you come away with the title yeah thank you justin nice talking with you too matt it was fun Thank you so much for having us on, Justin, uh, and thank you, Keegan. It was awesome talking to you. We don't do this enough. Yep. Thanks, Taylor, as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for the time. With that, we'll get to the news of the week as well as the rest of the iRacing action taking place across the iRacing world. Here are the iRacers Download. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. We just had a great interview with 2311's very own, as well as the 2021 eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion, Keegan Leahy, as well as his spotter, Matt Bontempi. And Justin, I got to say, it was an absolute pleasure to go over this entire season of the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series with you but we got one more thing to determine, and that's who's going to be the returning 20 of the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Because during the race, the Contender Series, which is the middle ground of the Road to Pro Qualifying Series and the Coke Series, 
Schedule just got released, and November 2nd, we kick things off at Phoenix Raceway all the way to December 21st back at Texas Motor Speedway. I find it to be an interesting schedule because Texas, you can lock in, of course, this year's finale for the Coke Series, so that was a given. Interesting with Phoenix, but you can also pencil that on in since that's around the time the real world finale for the Cup Series this season. But when you break down the track types, it's pretty clear what type of skills they want to test Taylor to see who's going to be able to compete in the NASCAR Kokoi Racing Series. You have a couple mile and a half circuits. You have a couple of driver preference tracks in terms of where driver skill usually comes out like Darlington. You've got concrete surface tracks like Dover and Nashville. You've got two-mile tracks like Auto Club Speedway to test their ability on the bigger tracks. Homestead Miami, known for its multiple different lines coming in. It's going to be an entertaining eNASCAR Contender Series schedule, I think, overall, when you break it down. Certainly could not agree with you more on that. We'll see who will be those drivers that will be part of that top 20 at the end of December, but we look forward to the action there. From the world of NASCAR, though, we take a little bit of airborne action as, of course, the iRacing Rallycross Championship headed over across the pond to the Brands Hatch Rally Circuit, where Joni Alikainen took home the checkered flag with a set eSports Subaru. And I got to say, it's going to be an absolute stunning battle between Subaru Motorsports and the set eSports Subarus for the championship. John Robertson currently leads the point standings. It's, it's definitely been an interesting championship. We've talked about a lot of the great strategy plays. John Robertson has had to secure himself a lot of victories this season. But I know there was a lot of excitement when it came to this week's winner at Brands Hatch. The first ever visit in series history to the track. Because keep in mind... It was a good starting position from the get-go. You had the rookie of the year, the Dirtfish rookie of the year from last year, who led all the way in the main race. And you mentioned some cars going flying in Topsy Turby. You had also competitors in the mix of things like Alex Bergeron having a two-wheel to make sure they were able to try at least not crash. It was an attrition-filled final part of that card, to say the very least, but... The championship absolutely is going to be intriguing how it all fares out, not just driver-wise now, but team-wise, with set esports and Super Motorsports USA now separated by four points after that round. It certainly is. Of course, you can catch the next round as we stay on the European Tour for the iRacing Rallycross Championship as we head to Barcelona to the Catalonia Circuit over in Spain on their rally course circuit. Catch the action at 4 p.m. with the All-Star Invitational, 5 p.m. when the World Championship kicks off across all of iRacing streaming services. We stay in the great country of the United Kingdom as the Force Dynamic Delara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship tightens up as Van Luzenord once again goes back-to-back at Silverstone in a nail-biting finish between him, Peter Berryman, and Ben Fuller as they battled out for the win. And the amount of excitement when it came to the RHE and Predator camps in that respective race coming to the final laps was intense. They brought in a new spotter for that respective camp of the race, and Graham Carroll, a very well-noted road course racer on the guy racing platform, especially with this history with Red Bull Esports and various other groups. And I think that was a big part of the help that helped Martin Van Lusenorn be able to be on the right strategy. 
he had the freshest tires by up to five laps compared to the other cars in his group in Berryman and in four, and just played it out perfectly. Timed up the draft right, timed it up to where he took it three wide, in fact, for the race lead, and just didn't look back. He just seemed to be on the right strategy the entire race. There is one thing to note, though, strategy-wise, Taylor, is coming into that round, they put in the rule where you had to start the race on the same compound of tire you qualified on. Only one driver, shockingly, went and elected to say, let's go on the softs to get track position. And Marcos Nunez, and that's an area's esports driver, at a high degradation track, yes, of course, but he still came away with a decent finish despite having to be back behind the eight ball with the sauce. It was an interesting race overall, to say the very least, especially with the tempers that flared out outside the, temp- outside the podium. Certainly was a lot of tempers flared during that race. You can catch all the action, of course, on all of iRacing streaming services. As they leave Silverstone, though, it's a nine-point difference for Peter Berryman and Martin Van Lusenord. So it's going to be very exciting to see what happens next Thursday when they head to Germany at the Hockenheimring. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern time on all of iRacing's social media channels. Finally, though, in the news of the week, we have a new addition coming to the world of iRacing, stock car racing. But not just any stock car racing, Brazilian Stock Car Pro Series will be introduced in the coming months to the iRacing service, utilizing a car that I kind of am looking forward to drive because I personally drive this type of car, a Chevrolet Cruze, and then the Toyota Corolla edition of the Brazilian stock cars. The series was opened back in 1979, and it's their 43rd season in the 2021. So a lot of great drivers in Brazil have come and competed in this series. You have Formula One veterans such as Rubens Barrichello, Felipe Massa, Nelson Piquet Jr., and even Indy 500 champion and IndyCar champion Tony Kanaan. And when I seen the announcement or some of the rumblings the morning of, too, right before it was released by iRacing, you could tell there was a lot of excitement for those based in Brazil because it's a very popular series. For those who watch, for example, in the eNASCAR's international invitational events that took place this year, earlier this year, Taylor, some of the drivers had a background and or were some of the top contenders in these cars. So this is an understandable crossover and an understandable bridge to say, Let's bring this type of racing on in. And it can open up the door, when you think about it, Taylor, for more Brazilian-based tracks because you've got Interlagos, but you need to add more to that. So it's going to be interesting where they branch out with that. And I think the community is going to be very strong right from the get-go with the amount of South American presence when it comes to sim racing. I could see a lot of drivers immediately utilizing those in official races. It certainly is. And of course, if you think about it, the Brazilian Stock Car Series is basically the equivalent of the United States and Canada's NASCAR Series or the Australian V8 Supercars or even the British Touring Car Championship over in the UK. The beating and banging, the aggressive driving that we see over in the Brazilian Stock Cars, that's what it provides. And it's a very interesting series to go and watch. I highly recommend it to anyone who wants to open up their doors to different forms of other motorsports across the world. And I got to say, I'm still a little bit giddy because of the Chevrolet Cruze. I per- like I said, I personally drive one. So it's going to be kind of fun to drive actually a car that I drive in the real world. I mean, as someone who drives a Buick or CX, 
Curious when a Buick would come on in Hint Hint. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll save that, though, when they make the official announcement on that. But on that note, Justin, we do have some racing coming up later on this weekend. It, of course, is the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Contender Series. They are heading to the beautiful Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta this Saturday at 2.45 p.m. Gianni Vecchio currently holds on to the points lead in the driver's standings with Dino Lombardi rounding out in second place. He, of course, is one of our winners along with Alessandro Bico and Quinton Villatia, who is also has picked up some wins here this season as we are in round number four of the championship. It's going to be interesting how that plays out. I know that was promoted especially by some of the eNASCAR contenders who are trying to qualify their way on the road course side, such as Bobby Zelensky. That was actually a talking point, too, between him and Matt Busa at one point a few weeks back. So it's going to be interesting who breaks their way on through, but it shows as well with the amount of coverage brought in for the contender series how much fans want to see the qualifying series. And it's going to be absolutely entertaining to see who breaks on through and who some of the new names are for the this year's Cup Series or Super Cup Series season. It certainly is. But with that, Justin, it is time that we bring it to a close. For, of course, our special guest that we had, the 2021 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series champion, He's probably not going to get hired of hearing this. Keegan Leahy, as well as his spotter, Matt Buntempe. I'm Taylor Burris. He is Justin Prince and our producer, Wayne Owens. We thank you for listening to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.